0: Today is Segway Day. Can we say Segway? We are Segwaying sermon series by having a couple sermons that fit in both series. We've been doing Honoring God and More today. For me is Sunday 39 to do that series, and six other people have helped me, so technically next time I speak will be my 40th time to speak from that thought But we're also opening a series of teaching from the book of James. Can we say James? James. We may call it James, the guide to fruitful faith. Who knows, if you have faith and it's real, it's going to produce results. If you have faith in the laws of Texas, you're not going to drive like a maniac. In fact, if you have faith in the laws of physics, you shouldn't drive like a maniac. So our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ leads us to live a life of obedience to him. This book was written by the half-brother of Jesus Christ. He had four brothers and at least two sisters, James, Joseph, Judas, but we call him Jude for obvious reasons, and Simon. They became men of God after the resurrection, but only one called James, he was leader of the church in Jerusalem. After the resurrection, he became a believer and became a mighty leader. And this book can almost be looked at as a continuation of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's how to live a life of faith that is fruitful. There are other James in the Bible not quite as famous. James, the son of Alphaeus, James, the lesser And James, the brother of John, who was the first of the 11, you know, the 12th one, Judas checked himself off the list. He's the first of the 11 to die. He was beheaded by Herod. Herod had him beheaded. And his brother John was the last of the 11 to die. And it is believed he died a natural death. So if you align the apostles, the first 11 up in a line in terms of their death, you'll have James and John on the left and the right. You remember what their mother said? When you come into your kingdom, can my boys be on the left and on your right? (laughs) It's not quite what she meant. Uh, The Lord says, I think he said, you don't know what you're asking. Anyway, so James chapter one says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't pull rank. He doesn't say the brother of Jude. Jude opens his letter. He wrote a letter, a much shorter one, that we named after him, the other brother of Jesus that was named Judas, but we call him Jude for obvious reasons. They don't say, hey, Jesus was our brother. You guys are nitwits. You know, we know what we're talking about. They don't even play to the crowd, hey, Mary's our mama. (laughs) Some people don't know that Mary had other children, but if you read the Gospels... It says, Joseph did not know her till after Jesus was born. The scriptures also call Jesus her firstborn son. And in more than one place, it names his brothers and doesn't name his sisters for some reason. So we know that there was at least two. So she had at least seven children, counting Jesus. Joseph was the father of six of those children or more. And Almighty God, His Spirit overshadowed Mary, the virgin, and she gave birth to the Christian faith, to the Son of God. Who knows, what we believe is impossible to believe unless God helps you. <laughs> so listen to the gospel proclaimed, and if you find yourself believing what we're proclaiming, the Holy Spirit is helping you to believe that which is impossible to believe. So back to the book here, James's letter He has another letter in Acts 15 that he reviewed in Acts 21, but we won't get into that today. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. He's speaking to the Jewish nation that has been scattered, the diaspora, scattered abroad, the diaspora, across the known world. And to this day, there are Jews all over The world. God told them, if you're not faithful to me through the prophet Moses, I'm going to uproot you from the land that I've promised you and scatter you across the earth. But if you then repent and turn back to me, I'll bring you back. So the world witnessed a bringing back in 1948. It's still happening in our day. Jews are still immigrating every year from across the world. This is God's promise to their father Abraham, who was his friend. Abraham was the friend of God, and God made a promise to him. He promised him a land, he promised him a son and a special seed, he promised him a nation, and he promised him a relationship with himself. So they were friends, they had a covenant. So God keeps covenant with his friends. Sometimes parents will ask other parents to be God parents to their kids so that something happens to them. Their friends, if they're good friends, if they made a good choice, will take those kids and raise them with love. So this is what God is doing. He is holding fast to his word to their father Abraham. I'm not saying they're perfect, but they are Abraham's children In fact, Abraham also had other children from a servant woman named Hagar and they're fighting right now, Abraham's kids, but ultimately behind the scenes is Satan wants to turn God into a liar, wants to turn God into a covenant breaker. And Israel really needs to be on their face before the Lord right now because they need his help. So James is writing a letter to those that are scattered across the world. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Verse 2 My brethren, counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Who knows? There's trials in life, especially in in their day and time. There was anti-Semitism even back in this time. They were scattered across the world, having to make a go of it, being rejected. And even in their homeland, which way they were starting to inhabit again before another scattering came because they didn't remain true to the Lord. Even there it was hard, because they lived under the oppression of the occupying forces of the Roman Empire. And so if you were a believer, a follower of Jesus, and you were Jewish, you had extra trials to go through because you were getting rejected at the synagogue by your Jewish brothers who didn't believe that Yeshua, Jesus, was the Christ or the Messiah. So he's telling them to count it all joy when these things happen. When you fall into various, can we say various? There's all kinds of trials. There's trials in your body, trials out of your body, there's trials in your family, there's trials in your neighborhood, there's trials in your nation, there's trials in the weather, there's trials galore. And I don't know that finding people and charging them more money and giving the world an inflation problem is going to fix the weather anyway. That's another soapbox. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, can we say it? Patience. Patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What does wisdom have to do with patience? Everything. (laughs) Wise people are patient. Why are we to count it all joy? when we fall into diverse trials because trials produce patience and patience make us complete. There is a blessing in it. You know there's actually prosperity in patience. Impatient people, if there's time for a layoff, guess who gets laid off first? The impatient jerks. Well, we got to cut the budget. He's got to go. Let's give her her walking papers kind of deal. But the patient are those that are a blessing to those in authority in their life. They're a blessing to their children. They're a blessing to their parents. They're a blessing to those in law enforcement. Patience. Can we say it again? Patience. Patience. The word patience in the 1828 dictionary written by Webster, Noah Webster. You know, he wrote his first version as a very young guy. What a smart man. It means the suffering of afflictions, pains, toils, calamity, provocation, provocation, or other evil with a calm temper, endurance without murmuring or fretfulness, patience. It also means a calm temper which bears evils without murmuring or discontent. It's the act or quality of waiting long for justice or expected good without discontent. Patience also means perseverance. Constancy in labor or exertion takes patience. I think of a marathon runner of the patience it takes to train to do that and to exercise in that way and to do it and risk having to have their knees replaced later. Patience is the quality of bearing offenses and injuries without anger or revenge. And we say patience. So when we think of the word patience, we think of the word patient, who thinks of the waiting room. I wonder if that's why we're called patients. I don't think so, but you have to be patient in the waiting room. You know why you wait so long? The doctors are looking up in their manuals the symptoms to come up with a diagnosis. I know that's true, because my favorite doctor in town... Couldn't see very well. He had a medical condition that was taking away his vision. So in the room next door, after he examined me and interviewed me, really, in the room next door, I could hear his son reading from the medical guides to him. That's why it takes time. Because they want to be accurate. They're not just winging it. They're practicing, right? The word patient, back to the subject, means If you're patient, you have the quality of enduring evils without murmuring or fretfulness, sustaining afflictions of the body or mind with fortitude. You're being tough. Calmness or Christian submission to God's will. It also means that if you're patient, you're not easily provoked. You're calm under the sufferance of injuries or offenses. Not revengeful. Keep in mind, this is the 19th century. Today, there's not many patient people in the world. And whatever happened to self-control, is that a foreign concept or what? I just can't help it. I had Twinkies and I had to kill somebody. (laughs) If you're patient, you're persevering. You're constant in pursuit or exertion. You're calmly diligent. If you're patient, you're not hasty. You're not overeager or impetuous. You're able to wait or expect with calmness or without discontent. Even if your expectations don't come to pass, it doesn't ruin your life because you're patient. We're talking about honoring having patience. We're not talking about patience as a concept. We're talking about having it. And we say having it? Having, it. having patience. Here's a guy that needs to be here today, but he's not. Ooh, I don't know, the Irish cream sounds good, huh?
1: What's that? Uh, It's cream and it's it's Irish. Hurry up and order.
0: Excuse me, thank you. Um, how about a
1: smoothie, what's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink, we want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax, I'm a regular here, this line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, I don't Does have a card. anyone here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. It's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice.
0: Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Come on, That's great.
1: I love to. it. Let's do it. You're hurting me.
0: You're hurting me. Ladies, if you're ever attacked, go for the Adam's apple. Bam! It takes them down quickly. Speaking of impatience, there was a pastor that preached on patience. And after service, Billy Bob remarked to his buddy, Beavis, said, Beavis, wasn't that a great sermon on patience? Yeah, it was okay, but it was five minutes too long. (laughs) Honoring having patience. Patience. To God, living a patient life, we're going to look at what that means. To God, living a patient life is an attitude ascendant to our pride. It's better than pride. Ecclesiastes, one of the great things that that book has in it, I'm not recommending every single verse in there because Solomon had an attitude. But these are things he was learning. He said the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. When our pride gets hurt, boy, here comes the impatience, right? Do not hasten, verse 9, in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Anger does not produce the righteousness of God, I think James said later on in his book. To God, living a patient life is beneficial before his righteous judgment. One day we're gonna appear before him. In Romans 2, verse 5, Paul wrote, In accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. The context there, I believe we're living in Romans 1 16 through 211. That's where we're at. Where are we at in the Bible? We're living between Romans one sixteen through 2.11. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile, to the non-Jew. And then it goes into what happens to a culture that rejects him all sorts of nonsense takes over. Don't do it right now, but read the rest of that chapter sometime. Chapter two focuses on the church that has the same nonsense going on within itself while they're judging everybody else. And the Lord warns them here through the writing of Paul. God, the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life, who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory honor and immortality etc we want patient continuance i've already tried patience i was patient yesterday and now i'm not anymore who has seen one of these apocalyptic bible prophecy fictitious movies There's one of them out there starring Mr. T, and at one point, he says, I'm tired of waiting on God, and he picks up a machine gun and begins to shoot folks. (laughs) Need patient continuance. That's the difficult thing about patience, is the need for it never goes away. Everyone in this room is having to be patient about something in their life. If you have children, you're patient till they become potty trained, right? And then you're patient about something else. If you're married and still married, you're being patient with one another. So if you want your relationships blessed, count it all joy when things develop your patience. How do hard times develop my patience? They calibrate us. They calibrate us. A friend of mine grew up in the mountains. Who knows it would be tough to live in the mountains where the air is thin. But then when he joined the Coast Guard, Boot camp was a breeze. His endurance had been developed in the Rockies. And boot camp was not something that made him cry like it did some peers. You see? So when you're in a trial, it develops your tenacity so that when you go about life, things are easier. My parents felt called to be missionaries to Liberia, West Africa. My dad was burdened that the denomination, this was in the 60s, the early 60s, the denomination we are part of had schools and churches in the jungles, but nothing in the capital city. And the reason for that is the government to issue a resident visa to missionaries, use them to educate their people. Okay, we'll give you a visa, but here's your assignment. You have to go to this village and establish a base and a school that would teach our people to read and write. So they did that. And my father, because of his burden, raised $40,000. Now this was big bucks. I remember the thermometer in the church where they were keeping track of the money that were being raised to build a church in Monrovia, Liberia. He had the money raised, but no missionary to go. So anytime he went to a denominational meeting or a pastor's session, he would request prayer for Liberia. And one day, one of his peers said, Sam Latta, I am sick and tired of you talking about Liberia. When are you going to obey God and go? So he had to get his pilot's license. That took a while. He had to raise funds. That took a while. During the two years in preparation to go, my peers and I got every sickness you can imagine. We were always out of school for the flu, for the measles, for the three-day measles, for whooping cough, for coals, other other kinds of things. What was going on? We were getting ready for the mission field. Liberia was called the white man's graveyard. It was the black man's graveyard too. It was tough. And we went there and I got malaria one time and something else another time. My siblings got nothing except my brother got a black eye one time when someone who had hit the ball through the bat, and it hit him in the eye, and a sprained wrist another time. What was happening? Our tenacity, our health, our immune systems were getting developed, and it was awesome. Where we lived in Illinois, we had one bedroom and a path. Get Get my drift? Here we are living in Fossima, Liberia, for a year, 65 miles from the nearest motor road. You had to fly in or walk three days and we had a toilet. The jungle was nothing compared to what we'd been through. So count it all joy when you go through trials because God's preparing you for something that's going to be easy to do when that time comes. Who wants to say yes to whatever the Lord's assigned you to? Do we just sing these songs or do we mean them? So God is preparing you for a greater assignment than right now. Just be patient. Let that patience develop. To God, living a patient life is creating Christ-like characteristics in us. Who wants to be more like Jesus? Romans 5, Paul wrote in verse 3, Knowing that tribulation develops perseverance, same word for patience, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. So there's stages of growth in the Christian life. And one of those stages is the stage of perseverance. Who wants to have hope in the midst of difficulty? So you'll be able to look back. You know, he didn't bring me this far to leave me. He didn't teach me to swim to let me drown. He didn't build his home in me to move away. And he didn't lift me up to let me down. So this too shall pass. I'm gonna overcome. We are made more than conquerors, are we not? To God, living a patient life is diligently developing distribution to needs. Diligently. Patience helps us to do that. Romans 12, verse 11, giving us how to live. And in those instructions, we're not to be lagging in diligence We're to be fervent in spirit, we're to be serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality, etc., etc. So patient living has a lot to do with serving God. If you're impatient, you'll quit. You know, a lot of missionaries that quit, leave the mission field, isn't because of the country they're in. It's because of the other missionaries they're with that they lose patience with. And now they live a life of regret. Oh, I shouldn't have quit. Oh, I should have stuck it out. Oh, a lot of pastors are like this too. In their impatience, they quit and leave a church just when breakthrough's around the corner. Some people start a business and sell it too early. It takes patience. You got to know when to fold them, know when to hold them, know when to walk away and know when to run. (laughs) You never count your money sitting at the table. All right. To God, living a patient life is exercising endurance endlessly in trials. Quitting is not an option. In everything we do, 2 Corinthians 6, 4, we show that we are God's servants who wants to show the world you're a servant of God? Here's how we do it by enduring troubles, hardships, and difficulties with great, let's say it loud, patience. This is how we're known to be servants of God. We're not the people that quit. Just a little side note if you want to give to, to disasters, don't give to the Red Cross. What they do is short lived. What they do is important. I'm not dissing them. But if you want to go the distance, the Salvation Army, when they move in, they're there for the long haul. So if you want your money to work long term, think about it. Anything I say, check it out. If you find out I'm wrong, come to me. Just not right now. All right. (laughs) To God, living a patient life is flourishing fruitfully in every good work. We don't shrink back from nothing. Colossians 1, Paul is praying for this church in Colossae. He's prayed that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to be partakers with the saints of light. Partakers of his inheritance. Thank you, Lord. Rejoice is what he said when you fall into diverse trials. To God, live in a Patient life is guiding good governing for all leaders. You can tell I got carried away with my alliteration. Leaders must have patience. 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul is instructing this church and the leaders of this church to warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with everybody. Be patient with everybody. Do you know impatience is the weakness of democracy? Some of our enemies have a thousand-year plan. What do we have? Three years at best, and then it's campaign season. And the plan then is to win the campaign. So the fact we're still in existence in spite of the enemies we have is a reason to give God praise. I'm not suggesting we move to those countries, but they do need missionaries. Hallelujah. 2 Timothy 2, Paul writes this young leader in verse 24, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. Patient. When our church was first starting, I wasn't having any fun. I mean, being a pastor is everything I ever wanted to do as a kid. Some kids want to be firemen or significant things. I just wanted to be like daddy and granddaddy. And so I finally get a chance. And, well, I made a chance, and then I had to close that church down. And then I get a chance here, and I'm not having any fun. So I take uh, my family camping to Meridian State Park. Who's been there? That's a nice campground. And that morning, I'm teaching my young son. I think he's a third grader, skipping stones across the pond there. We're competing, how many bounces we can get. And I said, Lord, what is going on? I'm pursuing my dream, and it's just, it's not what I thought, and I'm disappointed, I'm this, I'm that. And he just uh, put three words across my heart. It's It's like the words just appeared here. I just knew them inside. And the three words were, people are sinners. Yourself included. (laughs) Myself included, I meant to say. And that answered all my questions. If we didn't have a sin problem, we wouldn't need a church. If we didn't need a church, there wouldn't be leaders. And I'd be doing something else. So we must have patience with one another, all of us. It's a requirement for life. To God, living a patient life is having helping hands for all ages. When you see this verse, you're going to think it's just for one age, but watch this. Titus 2, Paul writes the bishop that he sent to this island to establish leadership in the churches on that island of Crete. He said, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older men in the room, who knows, we have to be patient with the younger folks, right? Why are we tempted to be impatient with younger folks? Because older men were impatient with us, and we didn't develop patience with them. So young people, we must be patient with the older folks so that when we're older, we can be patient with the younger folks. See how it works? It's from generation to generation. Speak the things that are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. We must do this regardless of our age. And it's a hard lesson to learn when we're old. So the sooner we learn some things, the better. I know there's no old men in the room, so just keep that for later. To God, living a patient life is imitating immovable heroes of patience. We have people that have gone before us that are heroes because they had great patience. Hebrews 6 says, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Why doesn't God's promises ever come true to me? Well, they're for those who are patient and have the faith to not give up. The story's not over, folks. So don't bail on Jesus. James 5:10, the last chapter of this book that we're going to be looking at, says, "Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience." This sermon is going to end with a video mentioning some of the heroes of our faith that had to have great patience. So we imitate them. We look for their example to follow. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. They're blessed. Yeah, we read after the fact. But read the whole book. Stop cherry-picking the Bible. Read the whole book. Man, these people went through some stuff. They weren't always heroes. It's a demonstration of God's great mercy. To God, living a patient life, is joining Jesus in the race set before us. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, can we say every? Every. And the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what kept Jesus going when he was being patient in his trial is thinking of what was waiting on him on the other side of that trial. What keeps a mama going? What kept Jennifer going on March 29th? Before 10.07 a.m. What kept her going? For the joy set before her that's sitting in her lap right now. Yes. Amen, buddy. So we're talking about honoring patience. The title of this series was Honoring God and More. And I dare say we don't really honor God by being impatient. The two go hand in hand. Watch this.
1: Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? All throughout the Bible, we see God telling people to wait. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for a child. Jacob waited and worked for Rachel to be his wife for seven years, and then worked for her for an additional seven more. Joseph waited 13 years for the fulfillment of his God-given dream that he would one day be a ruler. The children of Israel waited 40 years before entering into the Promised Land. David waited over 10 years from the time he was anointed to become king until he was actually crowned king. Noah waited 120 years from the time God told him to build the ark until the time of the flood actually occurred. So why does God make us wait on the dream he has placed inside of us? Here's the answer. What God does in us while we wait is more important than what we are
0: waiting for. He is after building character. Romans 8:28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I don't know how this is working out for good. Well, the good is not what you define it to be. The next verse talks about his foreknowledge, his predestining us to be conformed to the image of his son. He's making us like Jesus. Now we joke and say, don't pray for patience. Don't pray for patience because you'll get trials. But let's just think about that. It's really kind of silly for us to think that way. Who in having a good day decide they need prayer for patience? If everything's going your way, that's the last thing in your mind. I believe I need to go get some prayer for patience. No, everything's going great, right? You can be patient when everything's going great, right? You go to Six Flags and the line is like that long in front of you. You go to the grocery store and there's a checker waiting on you with an empty stand to serve you. Everything's going your way. You go get gas and it's on sale. It's every, everything's going your way. Your kids are straight A students you're not going to ask prayer for patience. But when you're in a great trial in need of patience, you better ask for prayer. So I think this is a key to us being patient, is receiving prayer when we need it. Amen? So we're going to sing to the Lord again, and then I'll come back.
1: These pieces, broken and scattered In mercy gathered Mended and whole, empty-handed, but not forsaken. Take our failure, you take our weakness, you set your treasure in jars of play. So take this heart.
0: Thank you for worshiping with us. Thanksgiving Sunday is what we call this. It's the weekend that opens what's called the holiday season or holy day season. Celebration of the birth of the Son of God, where it was proclaimed, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Who knows the world needs some peace? The world as a whole doesn't believe in Jesus. Many do. Some say they do, but they really don't. They don't take what he said seriously. But he came to earth. It was laden with sin. And we still have a sin problem. If you don't think so, just watch the news or read the newspaper. Even though it may be according to a template or a narrative that some schemers are trying to build. It's sin is in the middle of it all. We need help, right? We need a savior. And Jesus came to be that. But the world at his, at his day and time was so wicked, it put an end to his life. The father knew it, but he allowed it to happen because the world deserved judgment. You know, you commit a crime, you do the time, right? The world deserved a fine we couldn't pay. Jesus was totally innocent and died a death that wasn't his to die. And so the father credited us with his death if we would but believe in him in faith so that we could be redeemed from our sins this is called the good news or the gospel if you find yourself believing that which is impossible to believe the Holy Spirit's working on you bringing you near to himself and God in his patience has saved a lot of people in this room brought him to himself if you're one of those that the Lord was patient with all right. let me ask for another show of hands Uh, who's ready for the Lord to come back to this sin sick world Okay, but I thought you were glad God was patient with you so it hasn't happened so he's being patient with others and if you're in this room you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior God is being patient with you to draw you to himself and I'm going to say this if you'll call on his name for salvation he'll come just say, if, you, if you're looking death in the face, cry out, Jesus. But don't wait till then. Let's cry out right now. I'll show you kind of how it's done. Let's all do it together. And if you want to become a believer, this is kind of a segue into being a believer. Say, Jesus. Jesus. I call on your name.
1: I call on your name.
0: I give you my life.
1: I give you my life.
0: I believe you died for my sins.
1: I believe you died for my
0: sin. And I believe you have risen from the dead. I invite you into my life. life. Show me how to live. live. Help me develop develop
1: patience. That's,
0: that's how it starts. You can do it by yourself, but you need to tell someone about it. If you did it here today for the first time, or the first time you really met it, tell somebody about it before you leave. But if you're here today and you need prayer about anything, it doesn't have to be about the need for patience, but anything, I don't wanna leave without an opportunity to receive prayer. If you need prayer, just raise your hand and we'll send someone to pray for you. We won't single you out or or just raise your hand. You need prayer, hold your hand up. All right, if you see anyone near you with with your hand up, go to them to pray for them when I tell you to. I see a hand in the back there. A hand in the back, right there, the very back row, the hand raised. There's a hand here. All right. Any hands here? You could use some prayer. You need prayer. It may be patience. It may need something else. Someone sitting down that needs prayer. Saints, let's gather. If you're a believer, you're qualified to pray for someone. Anyone over here that needs prayer? Here. Anybody here need prayer? All right. We're going to sing this song again softly. All right. Lord, we pray for these that need prayer. We ask you, Lord, to heal, restore, give wisdom, reconcile. You know what the needs are. so much for worshiping with us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go get him, Tigers. God bless you. Amen. Count it all joy. Rejoice.